0: Right. Useful information of the morning. We have completely left Christmas now. We haven't got all the decorations down, but we have left Christmas, and we've landed at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> That's. Wouldn't you just love to have that time warp? I mean, come on, just jump right to the next thing. No. We, um, I say that because this is actually a text that I have used in the past on Easter Sunday because it explains the work of Easter so well but I promise you we are not using that explanation. We are looking at that text, but we're going to look at it in light of what we have seen before. So, some Easter information, not all of it. We are still building towards the last plague. And the reason I say that is because that is what God does. We don't go from plague 9 to plague 10. If you remember as we went through, you know, plague 5 ends, what happens? God warns them of plague 6, plague 6 happens, plague 6 ends, God warns them of plague 7, plague 7 happens. 9 to 10, we are getting a bit of a break. We're building up to this one. It is important. There is a lot of information. Now, if God takes the time to slow down and explain it to you, what should we do? We should slow down and listen. That's the goal. So, with that said, there is a question of the day that we will hopefully answer very well. And I'm going to warn you now because if you have ever had children, this will aggravate you if you're not prepared for it but we are going to turn into giant four year olds today. The question of the day is, why? We're gonna read something and then we're gonna ask, why? And then we're gonna read something else and we're gonna ask, why? And if you've had a child go through that four to seven stage, you have done this where they look at you and go, why? And you give them an answer and then they go, why? And you give an answer and they say, why? And you go, because I'm going to kill you if you don't stop asking me that question. That's kind of how today is going to go. But the reason we're going to do it is be- twofold reason. <laughs> you know it's, you know it's going to be a day when I'm already coming to the front of the podium this early. I haven't even read the text yet. Twofold reason. First, this is kind of an example. I always try to, try to give you principles and ideas so that when you're reading your Bible, you have things that you can go back on so that it makes sense. This is one of the tools you should have for reading your Bible. When you read something and you go, huh, I wonder why they did that. Stop! Don't keep going. Answer that question, then keep going. So we're going to try to do that. The other reason is it's the only way to really dig out of everything because if you just read this through, you're going to get to the end and go, there's a lot in there that I don't understand. So the best thing to do is to do what? Tackle it as we go because this is one of those texts. There are Sundays when you're reading and you go, all right, we're going to read the next 15 verses, and then we're going to talk about it. Today is not one of those days. There is something packed into every single verse And we're going to try to distill that and answer it as we go. Sound good? Telling you now so you're not terribly annoyed with me, you know, any more than you would be on a normal Sunday. So with that warning given, Exodus 12, verses 1 through 13. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying... On the tenth of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to, dis- you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and then... The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. You shall not leave any of it over until morning. But whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. (sighs) Now, if you've been following along in Exodus, we will rewind to the beginning here. (laughs) We are not playing anymore, but we have work to do, which is, again, unusual for the plagues. When God set apart Israel prior to this, what did Israel have to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. I'm going to send darkness over the land, but in Goshen there will be what? There will be light. What did the Israelites have to do? They have to light enough candles? No, God did that. I will send hail as has never been seen, but there shall be no hail in Goshen. What did Israel have to do? Build an umbrella? No. God set them aside. So now they are doing something. Let's cover this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. All right, time out. Right off the bat. I did not need to be told this, did you? Like, did you need to be reminded that Aaron and Moses are in Egypt? That's kind of the plot of the book, right? That we're Exodus, we are leaving. Leaving what? Egypt. It's in there. Why is it in there? Where is Yahweh God? Everywhere. How do you know that? See, this is a fun question to ask. How do you know that? Because of the demonstration of God in his word, the demonstration of his power in his work through the nations. How does Israel know that? They, they, they don't yet, believe it or not. They're still learning this lesson. This is why the systematic attack on the gods of Egypt, demonstrating Yahweh has power, not just over the Israelites, but over who? The Egyptians, the Samaritans, whatever it is you want to come up with. Oh, there are no Samaritans yet. I got stuck between Samaria and Sumeria. The Sumerians, whoever you want to come up with. Yahweh is Lord of all. This is Psalm 24 in action. The the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. This is the lesson that has been being taught to Israel. Remember, two things we're doing. Israel out of Egypt, but we're also doing what else? Egypt out of Israel. So with this in mind, this lesson being taught, there is some work to do. This month, verse 2, shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. We have a fulfillment of promise here. This is big news. We don't, how, many, how many days of your life do you get prophecy fulfilled in real time? Doesn't happen that often. So when it happens, we should do what? We should pay attention. Rewind Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great, so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the beginning of fulfillments for that. This is a now, not yet in Scripture. We've talked about this before. We'll talk about this again. When we're dealing with prophecy, when we're dealing with the work of God, we have a dual category. We have a now, and we have a not yet. Your salvation is an example of a now, not yet. You are saved, but you are being saved. When will your salvation be completed? Yeah, in, in eternity, when God ushers in the kingdom. Sin is done away with. Until then, we still struggle against our sin. So we have a now, we have a reality of salvation, but we have a not yet that we are longing for. Here you go. Promise to Abraham, you will have a great nation. This is kind of what it looks like to start one off, doesn't it? Is it fulfilled? Are they a blessing to the whole earth yet? No, that is part of the not yet. It's also the the fulfillment of a prophecy given later on, Genesis 15. God said to Abram, "'Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. "'They will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years.'" But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. Afterward, they will come out with many possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation, they will return here. For the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. This is the beginning of that nation right here. Why then do they need a beginning of month? Getting Egypt out of Israel. Being a new nation set apart by God, set apart for God means what residue of the sinful world around you should you hold on to? None. Absolutely none. So, new calendar. Not the Egyptian calendar. Not the Assyrian calendar. Not the Canaanite calendar. God's calendar. Starting off with a commemoration of whose work? God's work. This is also a picture of your salvation. What's the call of Christ? To do what every day? Every day. But how do you do that day in and day out? To take up my cross, symbol of death, symbol of rejection of the world, and follow after him each and every day. You are dead to sin, alive in Christ, set in the world but not of the world. It's a picture even here. Look, even the holiday you're going to celebrate, even the calendar you use to count your days, think about how basic it is to know what day it is. Like, Do we give any thought to this? No. It's Sunday. It's Monday. It's Tuesday. We we don't think about this. Israel from the very beginning is being told what? No, you think about this and you ground who you are, what you do, where you live, and how you mark time based on who? God and the work that he has done for you. Let's continue then. So we have a beginning of months. Therefore, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying this. On the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. All right. You have a question, right? We're going to start a new calendar. So obviously the first thing we should go do is get what? A lamb. Duh. Isn't that what you do every December? You go to a little calendar kiosk in the mall and be like, where are the lambs? No. So what's our first why of the day? Why a lamb? Go back to last week. I asked you a question that we tried to answer. Think think we did an okay job with it. What is Israel's purpose? <sighs> you guys listen to You guys listen to me as well as I do. <laughs> no, that's what that's part of their purpose. Following after God is part of their purpose. What is their ultimate big picture purpose? That's part of their purpose, that is not their big picture purpose. That's part of their purpose. It is not their big picture purpose. Who do they represent? Who do they show you? What, if, what is the goal of Scripture? To testify to who? Specifically, to testify to Christ. Israel's job is to do what? To point to Christ. Therefore, their worship starts with a lamb. Psalm 19 The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let my word, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's a good rundown of, of Scripture, isn't it? How many times have you prayed something similar? Lord, I know what's right, and yet what do I keep doing? Save me. Guide me. Protect me. Lead me. Why? because you alone have the power to do so. See, the reason we're starting with a lamb connects to the question we asked for trivia this morning. What has been known by the people of God is now going to be codified in the law of God's people. Think back. (laughs) Trick question time, you ready? How did the animals board the ark? Two by two, everybody knows that, right? All the animals boarded the ark two by two, right? I'm grinning. You know what that means. Read your Genesis, it will do you good. Some of them were boarded by, not twos, but by sevens. The sacrificial animals were boarded by sevens. (laughs) Why board the sacrificial animals by sevens? Because if you board them by twos and you use them for sacrifice, we got a problem here. Houston, we have a problem. But by boarding them by sevens, The twos are preserved, and what have we got? Animals for the sacrifice. Cain is rejected. Abel is accepted. Abel brings from the goodness of his heart, as trusting in God, the right sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Cain does not. Abraham builds an altar, offers sacrifice. Joseph builds an offer, offers sacrifice. Jacob builds an offer, offers sacrifice. What are these people sacrificing? (laughs) there's no Leviticus yet how do they know because Adam and Eve in that garden saw what the sacrifice for their sins the shedding of blood as a covering for them and what did they teach their children and what did they teach their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and what was passed down to the faithful people of God through that family line of Seth what was known is now being codified not just going to be part of the memory of Israel. It's going to be part of the written down law. We mentioned this earlier. Read it again. Leviticus 17.11 The life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. Why? For it is by the blood, by reason of the life that makes atonement. See, it's a covering for sin because a death has occurred. What's the penalty for sin? Wages of sin are death. Adam and Eve don't die because of the grace and mercy of God and because of the covering of the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And it's symbolized by the lamb slain in front of them. God is going to judge Egypt by taking the firstborn. He's going to take the firstborn of every person who has sinned against him. How many people in the land of Egypt will that be? Including who? Including who else? Israel. Therefore, we must do what? We must have a sacrifice, a shedding of blood, a lamb in the place of your son. What has always been known is now going to be written down in a commemoration of this new people of God, living on the new calendar of God, heading to the new land that God has given them because God himself has redeemed them. So, there's more to come. Verse 4. If the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Now, traditionally, this would get marked out to about 10 people. Why? We can't have leftovers? Like, leftovers are awesome. Isn't that the whole reason you cook on Christmas and Thanksgiving? Like, what's the best part of Thanksgiving? Turkey sandwiches on Friday. Yeah. When done right, leftovers are great. Well, Israel just got told, hey, big fa- big festival sacrifice. Ooh, say festival sacrifice three times fast. Have fun. But you don't get any leftovers. <laughs> Why no leftovers? Isaiah 55. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return from me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. God's constant reminder to Israel is, I speak completely. I teach fully. I redeem totally. There is no wasted effort, motion, word, deed, or action in God. His sacrifice is sufficient. His redemption is complete. So when you celebrate that redemption, what part of it should be left on the plate in the morning? None of it. Just as God's work is complete, your work celebrating that should be complete. Now, do we have picture of this in the New Testament? Because we always want to make sure we connect all our halves, right? John 17, Jesus praying, While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Did you ever notice that? Throughout Jesus' ministry, people come and go. Rich young ruler comes and goes. The crowds of John come and go. What's the constant? The 12. They're always there. They don't leave. They don't go away. They ask stupid questions. They do dumb things. And yet, where are they? They're right there. Who did that? God did. While the people come and go, while they try to kill him, while they try to throw him off a cliff, While they accuse him of witchcraft and blasphemy. The disciples are right there. When Jesus is arrested and they flee, you're thinking, there it is. They're gone for good, right? And what happens? Like a bad penny, they just keep coming back. Who does this? God does this. Why? Because they have been set apart for redemption by God. They have been redeemed by him. This is why when he washes their feet, he tells them what? You are clean, He who is clean does not need to bathe again. How many of you get out of the shower, dry off and be like, all right, squeaky clean, time for a shower. (laughs) Why? Because you're done. What was the point? You're clean. You don't need to be washed again. You just need to scrub the dirt because your feet are disgusting. What's the image? As you walk in this world, what will you pick up? Dirt, grime, sin, corruption of this place. Does that mean you're not saved? No, it just means you need be careful it's the same lesson so while the disciples are asking dumb questions and doing dumb things and every time you turn around you're going why haven't these people just wandered away because god is keeping them why because his redemption is partial no his redemption is total and his work is fulfillment not "Eh." it is finished it is complete it's a picture of this even in our festival so let's keep moving Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So our critter, and I'm saying critter because it could be a sheep, it could be a goat. I don't care, and you know why I don't care? God doesn't care, and if God doesn't care, I surely don't. But our critter has to have no blemishes. This is codified in Leviticus for us, in the law, Leviticus 22. Speak to Aaron and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel and say to them, Any man of the house of Israel or of the aliens in Israel who presents his offering, whether it is any of their votive or any of their freewill offerings, which they present to the Lord for a burnt offering, for you to be accepted, it must be a male without defect from the cattle, the sheep, or the goats. And whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it shall not be accepted for you. Catch that. It's not accepted from you. It shall not be accepted for you. The sacrifice given on your behalf is given for the cleansing of your sins. Do you give rubbish to God? No. Any corollary to that in the New Testament at all? Hmm. I wonder. Luke 23. Pilate summoned the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. Behold, what's our rule? When you hear behold, pay attention, something important is coming. Behold, having examined him before you, I found no guilt in this man regarding the charges you make against him. No, nor is Herod, for he sent him back to us. And behold, nothing deserving death has been done by him. What is Christ? The perfect lamb. He who knew no sin. He's the unblemished one, the righteous one, the perfect sacrifice. See, there's lessons going on here. If redemption is to be accomplished, do we want to keep sacrificing bulls and goats and lambs until the end of time? No. I eventually want off of this hamster wheel of sacrifice because that's what it was meant to be for Israel. We just keep going around the mountain, going around. We're just running and running and running. We're not getting anywhere because they can't cover. As perfect as this lamb is, is it perfect? No. No. Will it overcome the wrath of a holy, infinite God? No. I need a holy, infinite sacrifice. Do they make that at Walmart? Have we found the infinite lamb? You know, you carve a little off over here, and you put it on the fryer, and turn around, hey, it's an infinite lamb. It never runs out. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Picturing what? The ultimate sacrifice. The cleansing from sin was going to have to come from who? and who alone? From God. So that it would be Righteous so that it would cover infinitely, it would cover eternally not just forward but also backward it would cover eternally so that it would satisfy the wrath of God so that it would cover a multitude of sins whether they were committed before the sacrifice or whether they were committed after the sacrifice because the sacrifice itself is an eternal sacrifice slain once and for all for the forgiveness of sins it's being pictured here an un blemished as perfect as you can make it sacrifice pointing to the work of whose completion not ours but God's so let's continue Verse six you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month and then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight why do I have to keep this thing safe for four days like let's be honest if we're going to kill it on Thursday when do you want to pick it up Thursday. I don't want this lamb in my house for four days. What's the number one rule you always teach your children? Never name food. Like You don't go get the chicken that you're going to cook, bring it into the house, and give it a name. Why not? It's a lot harder to snap its neck when it's got a name. We can't do that to Mr. Cluckles. Yes, we can. Watch. I mean, you don't name food. Bring a year-old lamb, into the house for four days with children and then say, all right, it's time to slit its throat. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I have an eight-year-old daughter. No, there will be crying and weeping and hugging. and yet yeah, No, why do I have to keep this thing safe for four days? Remember all those times in John when Jesus is teaching the people? They loved that, didn't they? They just thought that was the most awesome thing, how he confronted their sin and explained the worthlessness of their, their, their uh, hearts and how he explained to them how their, uh, their religious deeds were empty and faithless. They just loved that, right? That's why they tried to kill him half a dozen times. You see it in Luke. You see it in John. They pick up stones to stone them and he walks off. Like, does that work? We had protests this year. We had angry mobs this year. Does anybody get in front of the angry mob and they go to attack the person? They're like, all right, I'm, I'm leaving, bye. That's not how this goes. They tried to grab Jesus when he was in his hometown and push him off a cliff, and he walks right through the crowd. Like, how does the guy we're going to throw off the cliff sneak through the crowd? That doesn't happen. It happens for Jesus. It happens constantly. Why? One time, yet? Was he born to die? Yes. Was he born to die at the hands of an angry mob being thrown off a cliff? No. That's why you see in the garden, Matthew 26. He came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, there it is again, the hour is at hand, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up and let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. An angry crowd coming to to kill Jesus is he like oh my goodness I wonder what those people with the pitchforks and torches are doing huh look at that that's a lot of people hmm hey guys this is it let's go we have work to do what changed what made Gethsemane different than Nazareth what made Gethsemane different than the stoning in Jerusalem what made any of that change God did Galatians chapter 4 when the fullness of time came God sent forth his son born of a woman Born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Why do I have to keep this lamb safe in my house for four days? Because this lamb is a picture of Christ, who God preserved and protected during his earthly ministry until the exact right moment the sacrifice was to be offered. There are no accidents, there are no surprises, there are no oopsies in the kingdom and redemptive work of God. That is why this is so important. This is a demonstration to Israel that hey! Again, you make fly, ding, 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 ding. We're working here. We're accomplishing things. Not just here and now, but eternal things. Picture big picture things. A nation. A blessing upon the whole earth. Not your little corner of it. People you don't know people whose language you have never heard people who you have never met are going to be blessed because of the work that is coming from this nation god is taking that perspective and building out he is demonstrating who he is how powerful he is and what exactly he is able to accomplish which is what all that he desires so we continue moreover They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. You know the question, right? Why do I have to put blood on my doorposts? Like, of all the things you've done on Thanksgiving dinner, have you ever taken the gizzards out of the turkey and been like, all right, smear that on the door, kids? might have to start a new holiday tradition. You know, when you pull the neck out of the back and the, the, the guts out of the neck. Does anybody know why they do that, by the way? No, 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 but why is the neck in the back and the guts in the neck? Like, you, I get that they pulled them out and they bagged them, but why not put them back where they started? Yeah, why, why are they backwards? Anyway, like, do you split the guts open? Do you split the giblet bag open and be like, all right, smear this on the house. It's for protection. No. Would you expect that for this? No, I've sacrificed the lamb. Does God need to see the blood on the door to be like, oh, that's the house, right? No. God knows whether or not you sacrifice the lamb. He knows whether or not you've been obedient. He knows whether or not you're walking faithfully. Why are we using this to, quote-unquote, seal our houses? Revelation chapter 7. This, after this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the sun of the, the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Because what does God do in the midst of his judgment? He seals his people and sets them apart. He preserves them. He redeems them. And he marks them as his. Now, when I read that quote, did I give you the full the full context? The answer is no. You know how you know I didn't? Or the first three words that I said. After this or the first two words. After after what? See, chapter seven comes after what? Chapter six. What's the end of chapter six? The kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Why? They said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For, their day, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? In the midst of God's judgment, on sin in this world. The people wallowing and rejoicing in their sin are facing the judgment of God and the Lamb. And no one can stand in the face of that judgment, except who? Those who are marked. Those who are sealed by God. What's going on? Judgment. Judgment great wrath poured out against sin and it will cover how many people all of them except those who are sealed those who are marked it's a picture it's a picture of the work that god does it's also a comfort christian this is a comfort where is israel in the midst of this plague in egypt in revelation where are those who are sealed where are they they're in the midst of the judgment where do you walk Every single day. In the midst of this world. But in Christ you are set apart. In Christ you are sealed. In Christ you are protected. By his Holy Spirit you will persevere. By his grace you will overcome. By his stripes we are healed. It's a comfort that we walk in the midst of this place. But we do not have to live this place we walk in the midst of this world but we are not of this world because we are of christ and if we have trusted in him we are clean because his eternal sacrifice covers then now and moving forward and we are good in him therefore we are able to live and walk differently because we are different so continue rapid fire time we'll cover a couple verses They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water. I just love that you have to tell them not to eat it raw. Like, did did anybody, was that a possibility for anybody? Just goes to show you a different world, right? that, That lamb you just butchered looks pretty good. Let me get a nosh out of that before you cook it. Anyway. Rather, roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. You shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. Now, let's be honest. You cooked a whole lamb. You didn't even field dress it. You killed it and cooked it. Are you eating all of it? No, there's parts of that. Yeah, there's part of that critter that you're not eating. Now, let's be honest. Big holiday party. You had everybody over. You know, the neighbors came over because you got to have enough people to eat the lamb. You really want to go deal with all that that night? No, we're full. I'll clean it when? I'll clean that up tomorrow. It's not going anywhere. We'll throw the scraps to the dogs. We'll do something with it. No, you won't. Why not? Wouldn't that just be easier? Bring the dog in, throw it out the window, let the dogs out in the street, just have the scraps. Why can't I just dispose of the scraps like normal dinners? John chapter 6. The Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. And he who eats my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And he who eats my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats of me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. What part of Christ's work is leftovers? None. What part of his body was left alone? None. What part of his sacrifice should be cast away? None. What is this lamb pointing to? Christ. Therefore, you don't dispose it by throwing it out to the dogs. You don't dispose it by just leaving it on the counter. You don't just throw it in the trash, but you dispose of it in the best ways God ordains. You burn it. You get rid of it. You dispose of it completely the way God has proclaimed because it's a reminder to you of his work according to his precepts and that you as his people are supposed to walk differently because you are different. That's why Paul gives the commands that he gives and exhorts the churches like he does. Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another. You laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and you have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is in all and is all. Not some of Christ. In our salvation, in our trusting of him, we have All of Christ. The totality of God's sacrifice. The totality of God's redemption. A complete forgiveness. A complete working. Symbolized how? In a complete sacrifice. Dealt with according to the precepts of God. Demonstrating that there is nothing left over. Because in God, what part of his works are just eh? None of them. None of them at all. Verse 11. You shall eat it in this manner. With your loins girded, so with your belt on, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Everybody has dinner like that, right? You put your shoes on, you get dressed like you're going outside, you start the car and then you go have dinner because that's what God just told his people to do. Why must they eat it like this? John 17. Now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full of themselves. I have given them your word. This is Jesus praying for his disciples again. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. How do we walk? How do we live? Where are we going? How do we get there? These are questions that are answered in Christ. This is why we should walk and look differently from the world around us. Because again, for the third, fourth time I've said this, we are different from the world around. Our eyes have been opened. Our souls have been awakened. Our sin has been cast aside. Therefore, we shouldn't look like those who are wallowing in the muck and the mire and the darkness. We should be different great example when i was growing up my um my family raised white german shepherds they're, they're they're cute little buggers when they're puppies but for weeks when they're first born they their eyes are not open and their legs aren't really that strong and they literally kind of wiggle around in their bellies with closed eyes and they squeak like hamsters it's the most bizarre thing 100 pound dog squeaks like a hamster when it's born and then you know what happens at around a week three or four the legs get strong and they open up their eyes you know what they realize There's a world outside of that little box they've been living in for a couple of weeks. And you know what happens to that little squeak? It becomes a bark. Why? Because I want that world. That's why you don't take them out of the whelping box. We used to build it double high. You don't take them out of the whelping box because you absolutely have to. Because once you get them out, you know what they'll never do again? Be happy when they're back in. Christian, that was us. We had no legs, eyes closed, sniffing around, rooting around, squeaking. God gave us legs, gave us eyes, picked us out, put us on the ground, and now we're like, no, 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 put us back in the box. We like the box. It's comfortable. It's safe. No, it's death, and it's sin, and it's destruction. Be the puppy. Be the puppy. It's good for you. They want out. Why? Because they have tasted the better There is a world to explore. There is life to rejoice in. This should be us. Our eyes have been opened. Our spirits have been awakened. Our souls have been brought to life. There is now a world that we live to the glory of God. And it's different than just serving the pleasures of our flesh and the things of this world. Therefore, we should long for those things. That's why they should be eating it in haste. Because we're wandering in a world. They're not where they're going yet. They're still in Egypt But where do they want to be? Someplace else. I don't know where it is yet, but they want to go someplace else. So they should be ready to do what? Go when God opens it up. This is a lesson. This is, again, why Paul exhorts the churches. Ephesians chapter 2. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together and is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit, according to his work, according to his plan, in the world, but not of the world. Verse 12. Punchline time. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord any surprises here not as we've read we've seen this go back to Exodus 11 Moses said thus says the Lord about midnight I'm going out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones all the firstborn of the cattle as well and God told him that was going to that was going to happen all the way back to chapters 3 and 4 of this book this is where we've always known we're going why because God is God and Egypt is not God is God, and Pharaoh is not. God is God, and Ra, and Osiris, and Isis, and all the other ones are not. I am Yahweh, and he will accomplish this because he is author of life, he is commander of death, and he is the one who executes all of these things, including his redemption. Verse 13, The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you, to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God's people are set apart. They'll be provided for both then and now. This was John's conclusion after Jesus spoke to Nicodemus chapter 3. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. And if that was too wordy, you get to the last verse of the chapter. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life. The wrath of God abides on him. See, this is why we can be different. Our eyes are open. Our souls are enlightened. We have seen the darkness. And you know where it was? In me. But at the foot of the cross it is gone. What am I now afraid of? Christ has taken my reproach. He has taken my penalty. He has died my death. What now do I fear? And the answer is, should be nothing. If I do, you know what I just found? I just found the next area of sin I need to work on. Hey, that thing I'm terrified of instead of God, there's the thing I need to go kill. Exactly. Exactly. We fight and we war because we are His and we have new battle We have new weaponry, and we actually have accomplishment, and it is good. That's the difference. That's what Israel is supposed to be taught. That's what they are being shown and what is being demonstrated. And what we cannot miss is that we have how many stories in Scripture? One, beginning to ending, Genesis to Revelation, be the story of God redeeming and rescuing His people. Never forget now, who are we again? In Christ, we're supposed to be His people people. We have a sacrifice. We have a story. We have a redemption. We have a gifting. We have a kingdom that we long towards. Let's walk in the ways that God has shown, trusting in him and proclaiming him alone. Let's pray.